Sorry, one sec. Matt just got up. I think he's changing his fan setting. So if you notice a difference in the sound behind him, that's probably why. Just I turned the fan on because the air conditioning AC was, was off. off. And then I turned the fan on and then the air conditioning turned on and then I was freezing. Oh, uh -oh. Just podcaster problems. Oh, oh God, he's back. It's a horror episode, right? You guys talking about Cujo? <laughs> Dumbasses. All right, bye. Wow, he is so fired up today. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what got into him. Are we talking about Cujo? Is that what he I said? Get, uh, is that the Stephen King movie? Yes, it With is, the where the dog, dog kills everyone, I think. What a wiener. He's like, what the? <laughs> oh, man. So we got Bruce in here today. Finally, we got Bruce in the studio. I don't even know what you just said. He is making out with you right now. <laughs> He's a sweet boy. Look at him. All right, bitches. We need to talk about some movies. I like Boat, starring Miley Cyrus and John Travolta and Rhino as the hamster named Rhino. So, so Bruce's favorite movie is Bolt. Oh, by long shot. Bolt and long shot? No, Boat is my favorite movie by a long shot. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That I didn't know what the movie Long Shot was. Yeah, cause you're an idiot. Okay, Bruce, I don't think we need Bruce in here anymore, okay. or at least we gotta get him away from the microphone, right. if anything. Fuck off, fucker! Oh, God, Bruce! Jeez, he just walked away. Yeah, he's such a jerk. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole. We asked it, we told him that it was a horror movie episode, and he still won't stop talking about Bolt. It's the only movie he ever wants to watch. I guess for a dog, it probably does come across as a horror movie in some parts. I don't think he likes to be represented by John Travolta. <laughs> I'm, I don't blame him. <laughs> Welcome to Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Matt. And today we're going to be doing another episode where we list off some of our favorite movies. Uh, and we're doing horror movies this time. And I wanted to bring that up because I'm actually really nervous about this episode. Because, <laughs> because as I've mentioned before, I love horror movies a lot. And I don't want to like I don't want to like misrepresent myself like what movies I like and stuff uh, and, and pin it down to just like these are the horror movies that are the best. And just like with our like top 15 podcast, all of these are just like when I was looking through my movies, like at the time they like jumped out to me that like these are the ones that I love. And just because I picked these does not mean that I like don't like a ton of other movies. I actually have a whole list of movies that I wrote down that I didn't put on my list. Because you don't not... like them? Because I love them, but oh. I didn't put them on the list. Because you don't love them Stop. enough to talk about them. Stop the it! You're miss... That's what I'm... I know you're doing this on purpose. But that also goes to say that we were supposed to pick 10 and I have 13 movies on my list. That's so. okay. I only have 8. 
Are you serious? Well, you couldn't fit a couple more in there? I mean, I can pull some out of my ass, but... Oh, gosh. I have, literally, I have 13 movies, and then I have a list of, like, what looks like another 13 movies that I wish I also you, could put on my list. That you don't like. <sighs> Let me take a sip of my beer. It's a root beer that I'm drinking. Mine's a diet I can't cola. believe you only have eight. Ugh. Sucre loser. That's a joke for all my sucralose uh, haters out there. I mean, to be to be fair, a couple of mine are more than one movie. Like Grizzly Park 1 and 2. <laughs> it, and 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Oh, of course, yes, the whole series. I actually Those don't know if there movies. are any... I don't know if there are any more Grizzly Park movies other than the masterpiece. <laughs> I, I don't know that the world could handle anymore. Right, right, exactly. I don't think the world could handle Tom Skull, the director. Of Tom the we need, Skull. We need to look up if uh, if Tom Skull is out there making movies and start uh, start watching those for this podcast. And have him arrested. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But first, let me go drain the dragon. One sec. <laughs> no, I'm not actually going to. That's just a reference to... One of the worst movies ever made, Grizzly Park. Yeah, just to give you an idea of how bad that movie is, the character who says that line, his name is Trickster. <laughs> it's because he's such a trickster. I mean, it's really a perfect name for for the archetype that he was playing, you know? <laughs> okay. Let's get into this, because I feel like, you know, this might take a while to kind of go through. So since you have eight, should I, like list off five of mine and then we start once we get to like having the same amount you do whatever you want i know for a fact i know for a fact one of ours is the same i would yeah i'd be willing to say that at least three of mine yeah, I, are on your list i was thinking the same thing i was thinking that we're gonna have a lot of those moments where we're like yep that one's on my list too and then we just like start talking about it and actually Good thing to point out, this isn't ranked. I might be able to rank other genre lists that I have, but I, I'm i not ranking this. I can't do it. I I have one of them that I always kind of say is my favorite horror movie, um, so I'll probably just save that one for last Sorry. unless you bring it up first. Right. Matt, let, okay, Matt, calm down. Let's... We need to get to the list. Let's not oh, okay. let's not spoil anything, okay? Okay, sorry. Yes, yes, scream. <laughs> <laughs> I love scream. Considering you said it on the top 15 episode. That's 100% true. We also might have I don't I forgot to look at my top 15 to see how much is like an overlap, but there are definitely going to be There's going to be some overlap. So have you heard the top 15? You've probably heard half of this podcast already. Only one so of mine. might as well move on to a different podcast. Only one of mine are on the top 15. Oh, really? Okay, cool. Well, that's cool for you. Um, that's because you ended up liking a lot of romantic movies for some reason. I remember your top 15. You had, like, When Harry Met Sally, and I think there was a couple others. La La Land. Okay. That's it, isn't it? The, the <laughs> Departed, the most romantic movie oh, yeah. I can think of. Of course, of course. The love triangle between Jack Nicholson, uh, Matt Damon, and Leonardo DiCaprio was really tantalizing in that one. Ooh, foreshadowing. <laughs> all right let's get into it let's get into it so i'm just gonna start um from what i would say is like 
how this is listed out at the bottom and move up, even though, again, there's no rank, so I don't really know why I'm doing that. I'm going to start off with uh, one of the most horrifying that's on my list. That's Hereditary. Okay. Written and directed by Ari Aster. From what I can tell, a lot of the people I've talked to have been like, wow, once that was over, I was glad I didn't have to keep watching that movie. Yeah. Because it's pretty intense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I love it so much because the performances are, like, absolutely incredible. Oh. Oh, get out of here. (laughs) The, uh, The, like, feeling of just absolute anguish and heartbreak and just terrible terrible guilt and stuff that that these actors are able to portray throughout the movie Mm -hmm. is so unnerving because of how real it feels when you're watching it and that movie has to have one of the most terrifying third acts in a horror movie that i've seen in a while i mean when i say things go completely off the rails i mean things go completely off the rails i honestly don't remember the specifics of the story um i remember there being a shot of the kid and there was like something up in the corner on on the ceiling yes and it scared the shit out of me yes um like i said don't remember the exact specifics of the story of it all um i remember it being kind of clever and the way I describe it to people is that I haven't been, like, afraid of a movie. You know what I mean? A movie hasn't really scared me like that yeah. since I was a little kid watching The Exorcist. Yeah, it creates this, like, dread yeah. that you just don't want to have to keep watching it. And when you you get desensitized watching all of these horror movies. And so mm-hmm. what was so great about Hereditary was it kind of came in and just did something that you just hadn't seen in a while. Right. Just like this this um this movie about like the dynamic of a family with tragedy and mm-hmm. how that can take on almost like a supernatural kind of um feeling. And then there is actually supernatural aspects right. to it as the movie goes on, but it was amazing. I loved how the camera work in it played with your expectations of what the camera's going to show you in other horror movies. It would, like, mm-hmm. move around so you feel like, oh, here it comes, it's going to show something, and it's going to be a jump scare, and then, like, nothing would happen. And it just kept that feeling of dread throughout the whole movie. Every camera move made you nervous about what it was going to reveal to you. Right. So I feel like that's a good one to start with because it is absolutely horrifying, and it's recent, and I love it. Well, I referenced The Exorcist. Um, okay. And that's my first one that I'll talk about. I've like yours, it's kind of hard for me to rank all these cuz I like different yeah. ones for different reasons. Right. Um The Exorcist is the first horror movie that I watched. Uh we went wow, to the you Keys. You started yourself off uh pretty high. <laughs> uh we went to the Keys and Jenna and Jessica made me watch it with them and it was terrifying. Jenna and Jessica are cousins. Right. That I I can imagine, especially being a younger uh, kid, how terrifying that would be. Because I saw it once I was more of like an adult, I guess you could say. And it was still terrifying, and that's why it also made my list. Yeah. Um, story of the little girl getting possessed. I don't know. We've kind of seen it again and again since. Yes. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know what it is about it. I can't really put my finger on it. 
the way that it builds, it's kind of the next movie I'm going to talk about is kind of a slow build uh, to a big ending as well. And this this one did that really, really, really well. There's a realism to it because it feels like the the fact well, it's a that true story. the first. Well, the first third of the movie, though, like the way it's presented, right? It they first go through trying to figure out what could be psychologically wrong with her and what could be physiologically wrong with her before people tell her, you know, you might just have to get an exorcism. And it starts off as an exorcism will work psychologically. It like if someone believes they're possessed, giving them an exorcism will make them believe they've been cured. Right, the the characters approach it the way that people would approach that in real life. Right, and and the thing that makes I think the Exorcist stand the test of time is that every character has an arc that they're going on. Mm-hmm. You have the little girl being possessed. You have the young priest that's like kind of struggled with his faith and things like that. Right. You have the older priest that is rock solid in trying to take care of the d- demon and. You have the mom who's, you know, trying to, like, kind of grapple with what's going on. Deal with all of it, you know? And and so, like, the characters feel so cemented and, like, and complex. And it's just got such a great ending and and just story throughout. And it's terrifying. So, like, you have all of it. (laughs) Well, it's one that sticks with you, too. I feel like the way that it does end is very open-ended. Like the little yeah. girl's story and the mom's story, you know, that all kind of ties up pretty nicely. Right, right. But it, oh, hey, that demon is still out there. The devil, you know, is still out there. Just kind of yeah. moved on. Yeah. And uh, that that one, that's, The Exorcist is a good example of like when I'm trying to put a list together and you think, you know, The Exorcist might not be my favorite horror movie. But how are you going to make a list and not put The Exorcist <laughs> on the list? Yeah. And that's the issue you ha- like. I have with a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Was that on your list of movies that you hate? I don't have a <laughs> list of movies that I hate. <laughs> Maybe you should have left this at the beginning. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't hate that movie. <laughs> I guess there are technically a couple horror movies. That I do kind of hate in the sense that, like, I want to never see them again. But like pros of they were still great. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's my film. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. So, you said The Exorcist. So, I got to now also keep track of which ones not to mention. I'm going to go with my next one being another recent one. And that's Us. And I was trying to make sure that I didn't put, like too many films from like one filmmaker Mm -hmm. and so this list could have had also had get out on it but Mm -hmm. i decided i need to just pick one and while i feel like get out might is like the better movie Mm -hmm. overall like like maybe i'm not gonna say it's perfect because there's no like perfect in in a movie but it's so well crafted get out that it's i feel like it's the better movie but us just had this feeling to it and the theme to it that i just really connected and loved we can talk about them both if you want because get out is on my list really and yeah. is us not on your list uh, no i i, did, I oh, mean, okay. did the same thing you did but i've oh okay yeah, yeah yeah okay well sure yeah we could talk about them both because us to me 
first off, I just loved Lupita Nyong'o's like character mm-hmm. and and the performance she gave. I just and, watched and how this movie she's two yesterday. Characters. Us? Yeah. That's great. So you have it in your head. The, the way that she before. played two characters mm-hmm. that were, you know, kind of the same character um, with two vastly different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And just that overall theme. I feel like, did we talk about us before? Because I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast. So if so, bear with me. But that theme of having two different or two people that are essentially the same person and showing that just where they begin their path changes how you perceive them. And I, I, I loved that whole theme that it had throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, it's just such great moments like, um, you know, the, the scene where their friends, um, are all, murdered i guess <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> but that scene with like the the beach boys just like blasting and mm-hmm. then the, the music shifts over yeah um and and they're all murdered with this like soundtrack going real loud was just such a cool scene mm-hmm. and the way the movie almost turns into like a zombie apocalypse kind of movie in a way almost. with doppelgangers yep such a weird shift that you think you're you're just gonna have a uh, a home invasion movie and then it like shifts into this like zombie movie almost, um, and and you know just seeing everyone get to play their their doppelganger self, mm-hmm. it was just I, I loved the movie so much. One of the things that I loved about Get Out and was very present in Us, um, but mm-hmm. maybe almost a little too present was like in Us. In us, yeah, it was like the uh-huh. symbolism and the um, the like, I don't want to say foreshadowing, but uh, the little like visual clues that he gives you as to what's going yes. on. Um, yes, I feel like it was it was cool to have it in there with us, but it was almost a little bit like bashing you over the head with it. It wasn't as points. subtle as Get Out, right? And that that's what I feel like Get Out has over it. And, and you know what? I'm feeling like we must have talked about this when we did our top 10 of all time. Um, because Or top 15, I'm sorry. Uh, because I remember you talking about how, how, like I was saying, I loved that it had that, like, that subtle theme. And I mm-hmm. think you brought up, yeah, except at the end they kind of just explain it all, you know? Right. So that's what Get Out has over us right. is that the subtlety just stays the whole movie right so the other day when i watched us i also watched get out i've been on i've been on quarantine from work uh because i uh, quote unquote came into contact with somebody who uh tested positive uh for he who shall not be named um so (laughs) i've been doing nothing but like yard work exercise and watching movies Mm -hmm. um so the other day I watched Get Out and Us. And one of the things that one of those small references as to what's okay. going on uh, that mm-hmm. stuck out was that was really cool um, in Get Out was when all the guests are coming to the party mm-hmm. where at the end you realize they were coming to be introduced to Chris so they could bid on him. Or right. his vessel or body, whatever you want right, to call right, it. Right, right, yeah. <clears throat> How they all show up in black cars. They're like white mm-hmm. people 
riding in, in a black, black vessel. Vessels. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And there's several of those types of moments. Yeah. <clears throat> it's it's one of those things where, in a technical sense, it is bashing you over the head with it. Right. But you like you're not aware enough of it until the movie's which over. Is, right. Exactly. It really is amazing because there's there's like a, a thousand of those in that movie. Right. Well, and watching it back a second or third time, watching the performance of uh, I'm terrible with names, characters' names, but the girlfriend, the one that okay, uh, her performance. The first time you watch it, you're going, mm-hmm. you know, you view her one way, and then. The next time, everything she does, you're like, oh, that right. was an ulterior motive. Right, right, right. Getting it so that the cop doesn't get to see his license when right. he asks for it. Where the it first time around... says she's defending him, that right. he did nothing wrong, so you don't need to see his ID. The second time, you realize she doesn't want anyone to know he was out here. Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but to be compared... When you see in us, the little girls, Mm -hmm. you know, in the very beginning, the little girls walking down the boardwalk and you see the guy turn around with the Jeremiah 11, 11 sign. Right. And then she goes into the house of mirrors. Does it show her seeing herself or does she just just zoom in and, and her eyes widen and it cuts? No, it shows her seeing herself. So you see that there's a doppelganger. Mm hmm. And then after that moment, you just see eleven eleven showing up constantly. Everywhere. So it kind of forces you as a viewer, and maybe this is, you know, with the knowledge of Jordan Peele made us and Jordan Peele made Get Out and Get right. Out had all this symbolism and foreshadowing. Knowing to look for the breadcrumbs. And then the movie forcing the breadcrumbs in front of you. Um it, not that it's totally a negative, because it mm-hmm. is really cool, and and uh, I like symbolism and stuff like that in movies, um, but it was almost like, well, c- let, let me just notice it. Let me just see it myself, well, you know? The only, the only, I guess, like, like uh, you know, rebuttal I have for that is something in the movie is her, um, the, the, like, main character's aversion to coincidences and how the more coincidences that appear it like stacks up and the more afraid she get that afraid she gets that something's coming Mm -hmm. and so it does also have that idea where it's like the breadcrumbs almost are there for a plot reason also and so that's why it keeps appearing like that could be an argument i guess you could say i got you um and and that was something that like freaked me out in the movie is that after seeing it anytime there was like a really big coincidence i was like oh shit <laughs> Some, like something's coming <laughs> and and it, and it's it, what i liked is that the coincidences were things that were like 11 11 keeps popping up and like the frisbee falling and landing perfectly mm-hmm. flush with the circle on the towel and just landing perfectly in the circle it, just these really normal things that aren't scary but like when it happened it's like, oh, whoa. That's weird. Right. Yeah. So that that's what that movie, that's what I meant by like the feeling of the movie that I really liked. Okay. So yeah, so we had... Don't, don't get me wrong. I love both movies. 
no, it's on your list of movies you hate. I know you you also have one of those. No, wait, you don't also have one because I don't have one. That joke uh, ruined uh, my uh, original uh. statement. <laughs> All right, so moving on to another movie. Let's find out if it's on yours. I don't know. I feel like you would have put another one from this filmmaker so we can find out. But I'm going to go ahead and say The Conjuring is on my list. And so when I had to go through and pick a James Wan movie, of all the James Wan movies, I decided to go with The Conjuring. Uh, The Conjuring... See, I've got three James Wan movies on my list. Whoa! <laughs> okay, so is The Conjuring one of them? Um, so... I didn't want to put, like, the Conjuring series. Right. Um, so I decided I was going to pick one. Right. And looking back on it, all these rules that I self-made are, like, arbitrary. because Yeah, I'm almost, I'm confused, and I'm not even one of the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> because I break the rules uh, with other movies. Uh, but I right. chose The Conjuring 2 over The Conjuring 1. Which is fine, because I actually also just absolutely love the conjuring too. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would, it would definitely be on my, my other list, but, uh, the conjuring one, I guess it's just cause you know, it's the first one. It's the one that like set the mm-hmm. style and the, the like feeling and the tone of the ser- how the series was going to go. Um, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. So the fact that they were both in here was great. Mm-hmm. And, that movie for being like a like a a big budget like mainstream horror movie it's actually very scary and mm-hmm. James Wan is just such a like master at like mm-hmm. building this suspense and ha- also having stylish cool like camera angles and everything that usually detract but somehow he does it well so that it, it's not as uh, over the top and noticeable. Well, he and uses I, yeah. them. He uses them to create uneasiness. Yeah, yeah, and and in this film, because it takes place in like the seventies, it actually has like a seventies filmmaking kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. where you have these like long zooms uh, into characters and. Um, even the even the text at the beginning, that like scrolling text that they mm-hmm. have at the beginning of the movie is like reminiscent of something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something. Right. And I loved that like return to like a classic kind of film style for horror movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, at the end of that movie, when the possession really hits a peak, it gets real intense and, <laughs> I, and I love it. And The Conjuring 2... I love that uh, Patrick Wilson sings Can't Help Falling in Love by Elvis just in the middle of the movie. Because it's right. just like, yep, this is happening now. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Conjuring 1 in a long time. Um, watching Conjuring 2, remind me if he does this with the first one as well. Okay. One of the things I really, really like um, is I just watched it again, you know, the other day, <laughs> right? Um, for the first time in quite a while, and to be completely honest, I totally forgot about the nun, mm-hmm. which is the main, which the is main bad guy, <laughs> right? Right. But that's what I really like. That's one of the things I really like about you know this movie is that the whole movie you're focused on the old man 
and this old man is possessing the little girl, and this old right. man is trying to get them out of the house. Right. But then, you know, as you go on, you realize, oh, the nun is making the spirit of the old man do all this. Right. He's like he's actually harmless, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that it was a little bit of a switch between, hey, here's all this scary stuff going on here, but he's really kind of trying to help. Right, yeah, they don't do that in the first one. So that is definitely, like, something in the second movie. Right. And... The second movie also adds in like that. What is he called? The 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 bowler hat man or something? Like oh, um, the crooked man. The crooked man, right? And that's kind of a fun thing too that I like that they do in the Conjuring movies. That it's almost like there's this whole world of different like curses and and objects and right. demons and. It, you you can make a a whole uh, series out of it, like Marvel style, technically, if well, you wanted have. to. And they have they have Annabelle and they have the Nun and they have like all this stuff branching off from the Conjuring movies that aren't as good as the Conjuring movies because James Wan didn't do them. But it's like cool that they he builds builds up this world of all these different horrors that are out there that. Right. Ed and Lorraine are, are fighting against, you mm-hmm. know? And and that's something else I liked about The Conjuring 2 was that it took what you saw in The Conjuring 1 and just opened it up even more. Right. And so that also... Like, I wish we could just put The Conjuring 1 and 2 as, like, a th- one thing because well, we you can. do kind of feel it's that... our podcast. We do make the rules, but yeah. I only put The Conjuring 1, so... They may not matter. Either. Right. Just like the points, is that what you're trying to say? Is it now a, is it now a recurring joke that we just reference whose line is it anyway in every single podcast? Jeez. So, so you're gonna run out of movies at some point here because I have 13 of them, and every time I mention one, you somehow have one that's connected to it. Okay, so let's well, see if it happens that, again. Here's okay, one that I ahead. that we haven't mentioned yet that I kind of referenced earlier, saying that I've got one that's that's a really really good, um, well made slow build into a big ending. Um, All right, and let's, that see you it, let's see. Foreshadowed when you man- mentioned uh, Jack Nicholson. Okay, uh, but The Shining. Yep, it's on my list. <laughs> you can't. It's again like The Exorcist. You can't not put The Shining on the list. Well, and I woke up this morning and watched The Shining. Oh boy! In preparation for this podcast. Okay. Because it, it was on my list already, but I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Right, right, right. So I kind of wanted to, uh, to freshen up on it. Um, You're like, I know it's amazing, but but why is it amazing? Well. Well, and speaking to that, <laughs> the first, we'll say, half hour of it, yeah, I'm going, now I know that Jack Nicholson is a good actor. <laughs> okay. But yes. is, is he bad in this movie? What the hell is he doing, <laughs> right? And then as it goes on and on and on, you're like, oh, okay, he's... No. Slowly descending. No, let's talk about that for a second, because it is actually one of the critiques of the movie, He's is that he is kind of insane from the beginning of the movie. Like, when he takes the job 
at mm-hmm. the hotel. Right. His eyebrows are up and he's like, I can't wait to move my family in. <laughs> right. You know? And it's like, what the hell is going on? Uh-huh. Uh, the the scene where he yells at his wife mm-hmm. um, for bothering him while he's working. I right. feel like that's where the switch happens. It's where you realize he's starting to kind of not be himself. Um, right. Okay, he was crazy wise. already, but now he seems like violent and scary. But I feel like that's where that's the point in the movie where you go this is a good performance. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. where it starts okay. being a good performance. Right. Well, the thing about that movie that I love is just the absolute like what the fuckness of it, you know? <laughs> like just that eeriness throughout the whole movie. Like we're going to watch this kid tricycle around this these halls mm-hmm. kind of aimlessly for a while. Yeah, well I looked <laughs> it up and the shining is actually Latin for really long tracking shot. Is that what it is? It is. Wow, I didn't know that. It, it, what's weird is that it doesn't sound Latin at all. Nope. Nope. It's it's the only two Latin words that don't sound like Latin. Right, the shining. Well, and you know, you have these crazy like dreamy like sections like with not not dreamy might be the wrong word not not like leo in (laughs) titanic okay more like i guess i should say nightmarish (laughs) like sections it feels like a dream like the The blood blood rushing out out of the the elevator and the terrifying woman that comes out of the bathtub that starts out you know sexy and then turns into like this old witch like those those moments almost seem like did that happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, him walking into the, the, the to that big ballroom, the the and, bear costume thing, uh, <laughs> offering yeah. uh, sexual favors to the guy in the hotel room. Yeah, you know what? That one may have happened, but everything else <laughs> might have been real. <laughs> that one didn't seem to dream. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, all of it, like the way they talk, the way he interacts with these spirits, like. It's just so weird all the time. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, it all becomes very real when he's, you know, got an axe and, and going nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. And I will admit, one thing that kind of pulls it back and makes you realize its age is the shot of Jack Nicholson frozen in the snow at the end. It looks ridiculous. Like, it's that's kind of hilarious <laughs> to me every time. I'm pretty sure it's just a still photo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. There's no movement to it. But, you know, as hard as I'm being on it for some reason, it's on my list and is well, captivating. It's, it's really, really, really well made. Yes. And it does keep you engaged the whole time. It's two and a half hours long. Is that for real? Yeah. <laughs> um, I've never noticed that. But it doesn't feel like it because you're you're so engaged with it the whole time. Yeah. I can kind of see, without ever having read the book, I can yeah. see where Stephen King's not terribly happy with it. Um, just knowing a little bit of other Stephen King's works, uh, yeah. it's not really in line with the kind of stuff he finds interesting. It definitely seems like Stanley Kubrick read the book and went, oh, I could make a cool movie out of this story. Right, right. But then, like... well. Go ahead. I think that's one of the issues that Stephen King has is that in the book, it was a very gradual descent into madness. Right. Whereas 
I mean, when you hire Jack Nicholson, you know what you're getting. <laughs> he descended into madness a long time ago. <laughs> yes. For the film, he's a method actor. <laughs> right. Um, another thing that I noticed watching it today, and I don't know if this is on purpose, it could just be a coincidence. <gasps> it could just be a coincidence. Oh, God. <laughs> Coincidences are stacking up. Um, but when he's got the axe and he's banging on the door to the bathroom and he's doing the three mm. little pigs, little pig, yeah. little pig, let me in. He's like, yeah. does a huff and a puff. He sounds just like Bill Skarsgård doing it in it. Really? And I wonder, I like I said, I doubt it, but I wonder if Bill Skarsgård kind of like tracked to, the performance, right? Or, or at least tried to make that connection. Or if you know Andy Muschietti uh, had that idea, of making it right. Said like, watch this scene, like go for this, kind right? Of because yeah. there is yeah. a little bit of the shining element to the book. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the shining is kind of a, a reoccurring theme across a lot of Stephen King books, right? Of course. So when I say The Shining, I mean The Shining, as in the uh, the the like power, quote unquote gift that that Dan yeah, yeah, yeah. that the little kid has. Um, that comes up throughout a bunch of different Stephen King stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Shining definitely deserves to be on the list, as 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 strange as some decisions are. <laughs> so uh, the next one I'll go to is uh is one that what was pretty uh you know inspirational in my in my journey you know the ring and that is the ring that's right yeah <laughs> which i think did i mention that in my other ones i think you no, did no i didn't oh. it wasn't in my top 10 but i probably mentioned it but oh got you uh yeah the ring that's was on my list probably oh good the <laughs> ring was probably like the first horror movie i really watched like mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't like kind of one of the fun horror movies. It was one that like, actually, okay, this one's going to be scary. And what it was is that in ninth grade, I took a class called mass media and they gave you a list of movies that you might watch in your class. And one of the movies listed was the ring. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, Oh God, like I don't want the first time I watch this movie to be like in class with a bunch of people I know because right. like I'm gonna get really scared. And so I had you probably download it or uh-huh. something and we watched it and it was it's funny because I, I vividly remember all of it. like you said, you know it's you know people talk about how scary it is like when she comes out of the screen, like I know you know about it, but it's really not that bad like, you're gonna be fine we watched the whole movie so scary i just gotta say and then at the end you went all right that her coming out of the tv was actually a lot worse than i remember it being so (laughs) you're like sorry about that that was actually pretty insane and you know and that's not even the scariest part of the movie like at that point you've seen so much right it kind of is the scariest part of the movie the scariest part of that movie is the jump scare towards the beginning of the like cousin's face after seeing some. Oh, I that you. is the scariest part of the movie. <laughs> uh, it's just a terrifying face. 
But yeah, that you have this. That's another movie. I don't know. Oh yeah, that you were saying. The Shining was the one with the slow build up. Also, this one also kind of has a slow build up. Like a lot happens, so you don't feel it as much. But you do have this build up to knowing she's gonna come out of the TV at some point, mm-hmm. and you don't get to see that till the end. And you know, it's just it's it's crazy to me that it's satisfying at the end when it happens after how much build up there is to it. Mm-hmm. It's it's another one to me where you know Samara is the bad guy, the villain. You're, right. She's what you're afraid of the entire movie, and 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 yes. as it goes, I really like when perspectives change, when the story forces. Um, you to realize that you were looking at it all wrong to begin with, right? And exactly. at the end, she's she's a victim. She's the she's a sympathetic character, and yeah. not that you're like, yeah, she should be killing people <laughs> all over the right. place. But you realize that like she's she's not the bad guy, right? She is someone that she, it's like they say in the movie, like she just wants people to know her story right and like she, help her she's a bad guy like jaws is a bad guy in jaws right like, he's just a yes. shark like she's just a girl who was murdered right and is trying to one get her revenge two show people what happened but the only mm-hmm. way she knows how to do that is through the perspective of a little girl who was murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really, there is like a lot of detail to the story. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, there's almost like multiple revelations, like as it goes on. Right. And you like think like, oh, that's the, that's the twist. And then like after it's like, no, it's not. Like this is the twist. Um, because, you know, everyone knows I shouldn't say everyone because not everyone knows, but most people that are aware of pop culture know about how you watch the tape and in yeah. seven days seven you die. Right. And so it's so cool to me that you know that. And later in the movie, you know, they find out she was pushed in a well and she drowned in the well. And someone says, God, like, how long do you think you could survive down there? And she's like, seven days. I was yep. like, Oh, shit. Was kind of mind-blowing. Another thing about The Ring that's surprising is that it kind of has that, like, double twist. Probably more than double, but you have the moment where she has the revelation that, oh, she's just a little girl that was killed. We have to go find the well. Like, we have to find her and end the curse. All that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you think the movie's over. Right. And then the boyfriend still dies. Mm -hmm. but she doesn't die even though the boyfriend saw the tape after so then you have still the mystery going of why didn't she kill me right but she still killed him and that's when you get the revelation of she made a copy and showed it to someone right and that's what saves you Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that's that makes the ending that unsatisfying kind of ending that I love in a lot of horror movies where yeah she survived and she found a way to help her son survive that saw the movie but what that means is you have to now send another person on this journey and they might not figure it out and they might die right it's just this never ending death chain email pretty much and so that's just it's really just a genius story I don't when when did it come out 2000 
Uh, the Ring, the American version, came out in 2002. 2002. So yes. that would have put me in eighth grade, I think. Okay. Um, at that time, all the horror movies, at least that I was aware of, it was mm-hmm. Scream. It was I Know What You Did Last Summer. It was Freddy vs. Jason. I, I mean, I'm, I may be jumping all over the... <laughs> you just listed three bangers, so I don't know what you're about to say. <laughs> all the horror movies that were coming out, again, that I was aware of, were a very specific type of horror movie. They, they were, were slasher aware of themselves. Um, I think, And they were fun. I think Saw had started coming out. I think, I think what's that it was called? after the ring. Oh, okay. So maybe we weren't even really there yet. But I remember going to the movies and watching this movie in the theater and coming out and being like, that was so stupid. That, that was not a horror movie. <laughs> wow. Because my expectations are a slasher you know, horror movie. And That's again, not where I thought this story was going. <laughs> and for the longest time, I was not a fan. And I think that yeah. it was when I made you watch it before you you watched it in your class, where I kind of sat back and went, "Oh, this movie's awesome." Yeah, and you know what? To give you an epilogue to that story, I then did watch it in class, mm-hmm. and the whole time I was like, "Oh yeah, this movie's awesome!" Like you know, like. I love this movie. Like, oh, this part, oh, this part's scary. You know, I didn't actually talk like that the whole time. I that w- I would have been an asshole if I did that. But <laughs> they should have left. Before, they should have <laughs> been the 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 ring move. Uh, <laughs> no, but the uh, watching it first helped. If anyone's ever in that same situation, just watch it alone by yourself, and then go back and watch it in class. It'll be, be- it'll be better. My question is, what is your teacher doing making people watch The Ring in school? Well, she has to pass it along to other people. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I noticed, like, <laughs> uh, one, two, three, four. I think four of the movies I still have left to talk about, I did talk about in the Favorites podcast. So I'm not going to go, like, into as much detail. Right. As before, but um, we actually talked about this on the Favorites podcast, that you never really classified this as a horror movie, but I have Silence of the Lambs on my list. Okay. And I talked about it before, just things I love about it. Um, It's really, it comes down in this movie to just character and acting. The performances of Jodie Foster and... I almost want to say and Hannibal Lecter because like you can't even like see him as right his name another is person <laughs> Anthony Hopkins their performance is just like magnetic and their their chemistry is incredible and I think we talked about it that he's only in like 12 minutes of the movie I think it's not but whatever it is the way that they shoot could it could be 8 where they'll They'll be cutting between like just shots of their faces back and forth. Like it's mm-hmm. not showing them. It could be seven. It's not showing them in no, the David same. F- <laughs> okay, we're done with that joke now. <laughs> it's not showing them in the same frame. It like shows them separately 
because so much of the movie is about the perspective. Yeah. Who they, is seeing what? They weren't you even know? in the same country at the time of filming. Probably not. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but that movie has so much about it that's great. And I know I talked about it for the other podcasts. And so go listen to it if you don't know what I'm talking about. But when you get to the like the final scene between her and Hannibal Lecter, like Clarice and Hannibal Lecter, unless you want to count their phone call at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But them together, that scene where she tells him the story about the lambs screaming. And it's like finally a time where like she's 100% for some reason, she decides to be like a hundred percent honest with him mm-hmm. and tell him like what troubles her so much. Mm-hmm. And he reacts in a sympathetic way. It's such right. a weird scene where mm-hmm. you see them like really understanding each other and really like seeing something in each other that they understand. Right. And it's just this feeling that it gives you watching it that it's like sad when they part and then you think he's a fucking serial killer. Mm-hmm. And she, she's an FBI. Like, you, they can't be friends. Right. <laughs> you, you can't do this. Right. But it's just, it's the performance. It's the it's the shots that are just so tight up close to their faces, mm-hmm. seeing every little movement on their faces. And him saying, you will tell me when the lamb stops screaming. Like, all, the, I, I just, <laughs> I'm getting chills thinking about it. It's such an yeah. amazing scene in that not, movie. Not on my horror movie list. Um or really not even on my like top movies uh, list, right. uh, but the prequel to that, Red Dragon, is also yeah. really, really, really good. I really need to watch it because I never have. There's just I know it's I know it's not going to be at the same level, and I know that's not what you're saying. You're saying it's not. It's good though, but it's right. like it's something about it. It's gonna be hard for me to like give well, it the. Ed Norton plays the detective. Yeah, and Ray Fiennes Weird is choice in it also. For Weird choice for Edward Norton to play Clarice Starling, <laughs> yeah. but I guess. Uh, but Ray Fiennes is also in it, and he's really good in it too. Okay, is he? I guess he's not Lecter. No, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins is, Lecter. is in it. Lecter. Okay. And then uh, a thing that that uh, became kind of an inside joke after we made Dylan watch it <laughs> is the very end of the movie when Hannibal Lecter calls Clarice because he escaped. And he says, like, he he says, like, I have to go, Clarice. I'm meeting an old friend for dinner. And he, like, leaves. And then it just cuts to her going, Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. (laughs) And, like, the end of the movie is just her sitting there, Dr. Lecter. He's, like, he's not there. Like, Dylan Dylan was, like, stop it. (laughs) You don't need to keep saying it. (laughs) Did he say, I'm meeting an old friend yes or i'm yes. eating an old friend i'm pretty sure he said meeting but like you know and he may have said lunch he may not have even said dinner maybe he has another thing planned for dinner i don't even remember if that's the line all i know is he was wearing a real nice hat he looked like he, he was in a very tropical relaxing place you mm-hmm. know Lecter made out like a bandit or a serial killer <laughs> all right what you got another movie for me um yeah we, we talked about scream on the first on the top 15 yes um as being your favorite uh scream is on uh my list um again it's one of those like slasher not 
quite really quote unquote horror. Okay, it's horror because the subgenre is slasher. Okay, whatever. A lot of those movies are super dumb to me. Whoa! <laughs> He's just coming out swinging. <laughs> I maybe I shouldn't say super dumb, but the the Friday the Thirteenth and oh. Nightmare Friday on the Elm 13th Street sucks. And okay, Nightmare on Elm Street's great. It's good, but okay. Real quick, before we get into this, Friday the 13th, I'm going to say it, it sucks. I'm pretty sure the history of it is they came up with the name of the movie and then tried to build everything just around that. Right. Nightmare on Elm Street, if you watch it again, it feels like a rated R Disney Channel original movie, and I mean that in the best way. Okay, the the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, yes. Good movie. Yeah. Good enough to warrant 500 sequels? Is any movie good enough to warrant 500 sequels? They can make, keep making Toy Stories till the cow come, cows come home. <laughs> and, I, and I'll keep saying that they should have stopped at three. <laughs> um, says the guy who still hasn't seen Toy Story 4. Anyway, we were talking about Scream. None of this matters. Okay, what I'm saying is all of these movies that are... Whatever genre you want to call, let's get a bunch yeah. of teenagers in a, a single location and kill them off one by one. That's a slasher, yeah. Yeah, most of those are dumb to me. Okay. The reason that I love Scream is that Scream thinks they're dumb too. It like comments on it. Right. And goes, okay, this is what is popular right now. This is what everyone likes. Not only am I going to make a better version of it, but I'm going to point out like all the reasons that these are all just the same movie over and over and over and over. And I'm going to say, I, I don't think it they think slasher movies are dumb, especially because Wes Craven directed A Nightmare on Elm Street. I think what they're saying is, we understand that they're all the same movie, and so we're going to make one of them while also pointing out to you that we understand how ridiculous they all are. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Okay. <laughs> as he rolls his eyes. I almost said as he rolls his R's, as if you're over here saying, I love scream. <laughs> Maybe that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> but yeah, I... and. You know, I didn't put Scream on my list, but I... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I consider Scream to be my favorite horror movie. And I've I've been told, as I think I've said before, that's not a horror movie. And I'm just like, really? Because it is. <laughs> and what I love about it is just how colorful all the characters are. Like, they have such wacky personalities, while at the same time rooting this actually serious dramatic story in Sydney and her turbulent past and you know trauma that she's experienced and then I love how at the end you have these two killers and one of them thinks that they're just screwing around killing people and one of them has a very real motive for right. it and that that has always stuck with me as really really cool that you have this deconstruction of you don't need a motive like it's the millennium like motives are out the window 
um, we're just crazy guys. And then like, as it goes on, it's like, oh no, wait, like you actually have a reason you're doing right. this. I mean, you brought up Scream. Do you have anything else to say? <laughs> no, I mean, we talked about it a bunch on, on the top 15 episode. I don't think we need to go too deep into it. Yeah, I'll say that. I do want to point out that when I was making my list of movies I could have also put on here, I need I need to say, I'm a fan of all the Scream movies. I like 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now, 3 is kind of terrible. <laughs> But I still enjoy it because what about the TV show on MTV. I never watched it. I never will. And I heard that there, it's in development to make a Scream Five. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here saying, you know, Wes Craven, rest in peace. I love him, and I don't want to see a Scream movie not directed by Wes Craven. Well, the first Scream did what we talked about with slasher movies. Hey, yes. this is the formula. We're acknowledging it. And then the second yes. Scream did that same thing with sequels. Right. And then by the third one, they tried to do it with trilogies, but it right. started that formula started getting a little bit right. tired. Which is why it's yeah, exactly. It's it's losing its momentum. And then when four came out was I don't know, fifteen, twenty years later? Whatever it was. They did that with reboots. Yes. But it, it it wasn't so stale because we hadn't had one every two years or whatever. Right. It it, how, it worked it because because it also happened around when they were remaking like uh, a lot of horror movies. Um I do want to say Scream Three came out in two thousand and Scream Four came out in twenty eleven. So it was eleven years later. Right, but, but when did the first Scream come out? 1995, I want to say. Let me see. Yeah, so 1996. 16 years after the first one. 15 years yeah, after and, the first one. And they did, you know, spew out Scream movies very quickly. Like, when after that first one. It was like 96, 97, 2000. Like, it was all right back to back. And so having that break really allowed Scream 4 to come in and surprise people. Right. And you still have Wes Craven like directing the movie. That's what like, that's like the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the characters, a lot of the characters coming back. Right. But well, and, and now this is what I'm saying about five is, are you just going to do that reboot thing again? Like, the, yeah, I don't see where they go with it. You know what they should do is they should make it about when a studio wants to just, pull money out of nowhere and they hire a different director that has no idea how to control the series and they should just like make a bad movie that that's what scream five should be (laughs) well i'm sure they're on track (laughs) yeah a year after it comes out they'll be like oh you didn't get it that's what we were trying to do like (laughs) Uh. (laughs) so moving on to another film that i already have talked about halloween John Carpenter's Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis as, you know, the Scream Queen herself as Laurie Strode in pretty much probably one of the most well-known slashers that exists. And there's not much else to say that hasn't already been said about this movie. On a previous episode of this podcast. (laughs) I'm sorry that I love horror movies so much, but Halloween, like, if you can find a more perfect movie to watch on Halloween. I don't know what it is. 
maybe Trick or Treat, which is on my list of movies I wish I would have put on it, but Halloween is just, like, such a contained, like, perfect little story with a slasher. Halloween Town? Oh, shit, you just blew the lid off my entire case. (laughs) Halloween Town, the Disney Channel original movie, is actually the best movie to watch on Halloween. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, Halloween. I would argue that even Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge, is perfect to watch on Halloween. That's what I would argue. But if you're looking for something more (laughs) R-rated... Then Halloween is the most perfect movie you can watch. Directed on by Rob Zombie. No. Could you imagine? Wait, could you imagine if I was like, favorite movie, Halloween, <laughs> the Rob Zombie version? The Rob Zombie version wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. <laughs> it did that thing that you don't have to do where you over explain what the killer's backstory is. That's part of what's so great about the original Halloween right. is that he's commitment to just it's you just don't know it's just the yeah the boogeyman it's right. that's what it is is the boogeyman coming right. for you and you know all of it just works so well the sh- the cinematography is incredible the soundtrack is incredible the acting is I guess exactly what it should be I'm I'm not actually gonna say that was incredible but it's exactly what it should be <laughs> and. So Halloween is just another one of those, especially as someone that does love a lot of slasher movies, that it's got to be on there. And I'm guessing it's not on your list because you didn't mention it. No. Awesome. So then what do you got? Uh, the next one I've got is Saw. Okay. Okay. I don't know how, but I had to cut it, so no one intended. <laughs> it's one of the three James Wan movies on my yes. uh, list. And this is the one that I was saying... It's really like eight movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And in Saw 1, 2, 3, and 4, okay? I'm going to stand by and say are good. I'm going to say exactly the same thing, but I also am adding 5 to it. 5 was good. You know what? They almost did it. <laughs> they they almost did it. Look, the first Saw movie... Yeah. Um, with, I don't know how we don't focus more on how terrible of an actor Lee Wannell is in that movie. <laughs> or Winnell. I'm sorry. I looked it up. It's Winnell. <laughs> He's awful. He's really bad. It's because, you know, when you put something bad and surround it by a lot of other bad, <laughs> you don't notice it as much. But it's not the rest of it is good. Okay, you're going to sit here and tell me that the doctor's performance is good in that movie. At the end of the movie, it's not nearly as bad as <laughs> <laughs> Okay. At the end of that movie when he's losing blood, he literally sounds like Winnie the Pooh. Like he he literally is saying I did like not notice I'll, that. I'll, I'll come back for you. I'll come back for you. I did I didn't notice that. Um, I was distracted by the fact that that guy also plays the boyfriend of Jim Carrey's ex-wife in Liar Liar. So I think he deserved everything he got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is the worst. Now, we we jumped into this and immediately started shitting all over it. So we better get to why it's on your list. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
the twist at the end of the movie yeah. makes the entire movie. Yes. That they set up that uh, this guy Zeb is the one behind it the whole time. And yeah. at the end, when you realize that Zeb is just as much of a victim as yes. the other two, and that the real Jigsaw <laughs> was the dead body laying in the middle of the room the entire time, yes, was a twist that I just constantly wish that I could go back and watch for the first time over again. 100%. And I mean, that's what became of the series like it it then became a movie that you went and saw no pun intended (laughs) and you were waiting for that twist right well and then you went then you got to number two where it was similar they're gonna go a little bit bigger in scale twist hits and you're like oh my god this is incredible right third one a little bit bigger in scale twist hits you go Okay, it was good. wasn't as good as the first two. And then the fourth right. one makes the third one even better. Yes, 100%. And, the, and I'm going to give it to you that the fifth one doesn't hit as hard after the fourth one. And right. so that's why you kind of say, like, uh, I mean, yeah, the fifth one was good, but I don't know if it holds up as much. And then once you get to six, you're like, okay, this has been like the same movie for a while. Right. Now. And then you get to seven, and it's just also really bad. At was the same seven time. the final chapter one, the one that yes. was three D? Yes. Did you and, and I go see that together? We did, and you know what? <laughs> it was so bad. I don't even remember any of the movie except <laughs> for the twist, which was kind of a big twist that changed what you thought about the entire rest of the series of the movies. And so I'm going to like spoil that. And so I'm going to guess it's only going to take like 30 seconds to do that. So I would skip ahead if you really care, but I'm pretty sure that the twist at the end of the seventh one was that the doctor, the guy from liar liar had been working with jigsaw from the, after the end of the first movie, he then became jigsaws like right hand man. And I, I genuinely, I don't even remember how they explain it. I just know that at the end it shows him crawling out with his foot cut off and Jigsaw stopping and being like, you've done it like you have won. Right. And I guess, you know, being like, it actually, it's all coming back to me. He might have been part of it in the, the first, first movie. One. Yeah. That could have all been fake, but then that kind of ruins know. the first movie. I'm going to watch through all of them. I watched one and two yesterday. Yeah. I got to watch them all again, too. I, it, it's just, it's really I still also haven't seen just... Jigsaw. Neither have I, and I, I got to be honest, I don't know if I care to, but... <laughs> what's great about the movies is that, like, mindless kind of, like, way you can watch it. Right. Like you, you wait for the twist. It's really fun. It's over the top gory, like so gross that mm-hmm. that it's almost fun. Um, and and that's what the charm is. Like it was on my list, but I was like, I can't have twenty movies. <laughs> and I love I love Saw, and I love that that first movie. You can like feel how they had no money and they still put together oh, such yeah. a like memorable movie. Right. And I like the I, I like the lore that came out of it. The the yes. wider you know, story uh, that branched off of it. Yeah, it's almost like everything 
James Wan and his friends touch is something that can be branched out into an entire series. It's the it's the entire Bloomhouse model, Blumhouse, whatever. Is if you make something for cheap enough, it will make you money. But I mean, but not just that, like the actual story lends itself to oh, being right. expanded. Right. Um you you can realistically say you can make up anything. Oh, there's multiple jigsaws across the country and this is what it's like in this state and this is what it's like like right. it's crazy the way that you can just branch it out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So then another movie I have which I can almost guarantee isn't on your list cuz I don't think we've ever even talked about it together, but it's uh Black Christmas, the original one from 1974 directed by Bob Clark and I went into this movie when I watched it in college just expecting like a dumb slasher or something mm-hmm. but it really ah, so you think they're dumb too there's a bad way to say it but you know one of those <laughs> mindless ridiculous right. movies even halloween is kind of mindless like y- you get exactly what it gives to you right um black christmas i'm gonna say kind of does everything halloween does before halloween and maybe better like, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I don't think it's really an unpopular opinion. Um, Black Christmas, what's interesting is, as far as I can remember, there's not really any music in it. It's just, maybe if there's music, it's like um, it's like diegetic. It's like part of mm-hmm. the uh, movie um, in the world. And it really has this, you know, Christmas vibe to it, because obviously it's called Black Christmas and it's all taking place in Christmas and part of what I love about it is how cliche it sounds when you like say what it's about because it's about a sorority house being terrorized by like a killer and the killer keeps calling them and being like you know being frightening like saying things to them that are frightening and it's got a lot of you know aspects about the characters that um, are really complex like y- you have uh, decisions that the characters are making that it's almost surprising to see it happening in a 70s movie like mm-hmm. uh, discussions about a girl wanting to have an abortion and how that's affecting her relationship with her boyfriend and like um, that that's I guess kind of a big one and you would expect that a movie just when you just say oh it's a slasher movie in a sorority house made in the 70s you have a picture in your mind and that's not what the, the movie is. And mm-hmm. you never really see the killer the whole time. You just see, like, their hand or, like, a shadow uh-huh. or something. And there's even the beginning of the movie is a is a POV tracking shot uh, from the killer's perspective going around the house and stuff like that. So yeah, maybe I, I've never seen it. Maybe I'll watch You it. should check it out because I, I really I, – now I'm scared that I just hyped it up a lot. But <laughs> it is very good, and it's it's got great, you know um, – it always I always feel like I sound like a psychopath saying this saying this, but it like it's how you describe slasher movies. It's got a lot of interesting kills and um it's got interesting characters and, and yeah, I think people should check it out because I feel like it is a little bit of a less known movie outside of like the mainstream in a way. Gotcha. Without trying to sound like a, a total hipster. <laughs> Did they remake it? Oh yes, they did. With Daniel Radcliffe, am I dreaming that or? No, Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know if that's the case, 
but they did remake Black Christmas, and and it was I, they've remade it twice actually, because one time I believe it was called Black Xmas, or at least that's just how it was stylized on the poster. Um, so there is one from 1974, like I said. There's one from 2006, and there's one from 2019. And the 2006 one had no Daniel Radcliffe, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it, Michelle Trachtenberg is in it, and Katie Cassidy, who who played uh, Black Canary in, in Arrow and everything, was in it. Now I almost want to see it just, just to see how bad it is. But uh, yes, they have remade it. Are you thinking of the woman in black? I was thinking of the woman in black. I just realized, okay, I want to make sure everyone knows that this movie has no connection to the woman in black because that movie was awful. (laughs) Matt's like, my next movie is the woman in black with Daniel Radcliffe. (laughs) So yeah, so what is your next movie actually? The next one is actually the last one on my list. Okay. Uh, so my next movie is the third James Wan movie on my list. Oh, okay, okay, and okay. It's Insidious. Uh-huh. Yes, I did not. I do not have Insidious on my list. Oh, Wild enough. I I can't get enough of it. Um, which you which you said on on the last podcast. Right, right. James Wan is and forever will be a genius to me. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> the way that he, you know, kind of I don't want to say flips the script because that sounds like too much of a pun, but yeah creates suspense and 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 the way he creates tension based on what your expectations of a horror movie are i don't think anyone else does it yeah no one definitely no one else does it as well as he does right because it's it's like a um it's like a complete commitment to making just a horror movie like right they clearly just love horror movies right. and enjoy making them together. Him and like Lee um, Winnell, you, is that what you said it was? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, and Lee Winnell didn't have anything to do with the Conjuring, but um, you know, they just know what they're doing. And I love Insidious, but Insidious Chapter Two is even more incredible. Like the way that it merges with Insidious, folds back in, right? Right, and. You know, Insidious Chapter 3 and 4 maybe weren't as good as the initial two, but I still enjoyed them, and but I thought they were good. it keeps that story going. It keeps the legend yes. going. Right, which I love. I love when there's, like, lore to, like, latch on to. Right. Well, and it's another example of that. Like, the whole first movie, the, I don't know, antagonist or villain is that lipstick-faced demon um, right. that is super scary and as it keeps going you know you watch insidious 2 and you realize the lipstick face demon was a pawn Mm -hmm. you know for the woman in black oh hey the woman in black (laughs) black bride or whatever she was called yeah yeah yeah. um and that keeps going you realize you know she was just a pawn or he was just a pawn but it gets gets a little bit for the convoluted I'm sorry? For for the mother. Because then it was like the mother is the right. one controlling everything. Right. And so the whole the whole thing about Insidious is that the antagonist, quote unquote, if you want to call it that, is just the further. Just the other yeah. side. Just like yeah. demons just want to get back to 
the side of you know this realm that we're on um right. and it's just in their nature right and if they yeah. need to kill someone to get what they want you know death isn't a big deal to them because they're already dead right exactly and then and i love that they almost become like superhero movies in a way where like these mediums have these like powers and can like you know know what's about to happen and like be able to communicate with the demons and figure everything out it's it's weird that it's it's not really a superhero movie but like that feeling you get of like we got to call in this person they're the right, right person and they'll know what to do like um so there's there's like a fun to it also while being completely really scary mm-hmm. one thing that a lot of these james wan movies have in common to me is like patrick wilson yes to me, Patrick <laughs> Wilson is in several of these movies. No, I'm um, kidding. What were you going to say? No, but like with the lipstick face demon and with the bride in black and with the nun um, and with the old man from The Conjuring and the witch from The Conjuring. Earlier in the movie, they like pop up for a split second mm-hmm. and it's terrifying. Like yeah. almost on a rewatch, I don't want to watch the scene where it happens because oh yeah, it's legitimately scary. You see more and more of them as the film goes on, and you're like, oh, well, it's, it's not that scary. Yeah, I well, I was going to say that on second watches, I actually jump harder at jump scares because I, like, know they're coming this time, right. and I can never time when it's going to happen, and so it always gets me because I almost tense myself up even more knowing that right. it's coming. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you because there's that idea of, like, trying not to show the monster um, because once you show it, you kind of have played your hand. Like, now we know what to expect for the rest of the movie. Well, it really stood out when I was watching The Conjuring 2 the other day with The Nun, where right, very first scene in the movie, they're going through the Amityville horror, and what's her name? Lorraine goes into the basement, sees The Nun. Nun is just standing there. It's terrifying. Later... Uh, Ed paints the picture of the nun. It's super creepy. Right. You know, you see the the nun's shadow walking around, which is creepy. Then later, when you see, when the nun is on screen for an extended period of time, and, like, she opens her mouth, and she's got, like, the fake-looking bloody teeth and the weird eyes, it's like, okay. eh, I don't know. It's Yeah. Should have kept her in the shadows. It's like a haunted house. Like you, you like that you go to on Halloween to get scared. Right. Like it just starts to look like someone in a costume, right? Again, to shit on the movies that are on our, our list. Yeah, no. <laughs> what makes them great is what they do psychologically. Right, while you're watching them, they stick with you. One hundred percent. I I feel like I could remember everything about those movies. Um. So yeah, I I have three more. So I'm actually gonna kind of do like a little bit of a fast, you know, one. Um, whatever you want so well because one of them we did talk about in the favorite 15 and that is alien which is probably one of the best slashers that exists because of how much it almost doesn't feel like a slasher Mm -hmm. until afterwards when you think about it it's a horror movie wrapped inside a sci-fi yes and just the 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 like art design design is that how you would say it like the art direction mm-hmm. and the production just design? the production design and everything is so good 
and so detailed. And I love how, you know, when you think of, oh, the future and what a spaceship is going to look like, it's like, oh, we're going to be on a cool spaceship. No, we're on this big blocky mining spaceship that kind of looks ugly as hell, but makes sense for what right. it is. It's and functional. I love that there's a cat on board that doesn't die in the whole movie. That's something that that I love a lot. <laughs> and you've got Sigourney Weaver as just an incredible character in uh, Ellen Ripley. There's just so much to love about the movie. And I love how when you go to show it to like someone that hasn't seen it before, they're surprised, or at least in my experience by how quiet and like slow the first like 30 mm. minutes of the movie is. Right. And it really takes until that big famous chest burster scene for things to really take off. Right, really get going. And that chest burster scene, I mean, I challenge anyone to not be surprised when it happens even when you know it's coming. Right. It's just so visceral when this thing I mean, his chest explodes. It bursts like like it's described. Um, and I just love it. I love the design of the alien. D- d- the xenomorph mm-hmm. looks incredible. So striking. You know the silhouette the second you see it. Mm-hmm. And that's another one that they didn't show it too much. W- right. Because the filmmakers actually noticed that whenever they tried to show it in a wide shot or like lit too well, it just looked terrible. And right. wasn't scary anymore. Right. And so they based the same with Jaws, like based on like literally how they had to go about filming it, they made it scarier by right. not showing it as much. And, you know, it kind of works that even when it does look fake, you know, it's an alien. So it would look weird, but um, <laughs> just an absolute masterpiece of a movie. And then moving on to what I would not call really a masterpiece of a movie, but just a great one is the cabin in the woods and so cabin in the woods is here. really good and it's the same as scream it's a deconstruction of what like you know a horror movie is but right. it takes it a step further to be all horror movies pretty much <laughs> right and i mean what a funny movie which is weird to say <laughs> right. but i'm a huge fan of bradley whitford and he is just non-stop hilarious in this movie Bradley you Whitford know, and, is, uh, sorry, he's he's the guy that plays Peralta's dad in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yes, yes, and also the dad in Get Out would probably be a more <laughs> appropriate yes. reference. Good point. I didn't even bring him up when we talked about Get Out, but I'm just a huge fan of Bradley Whitford. I think he's incredible in everything. He's, he's very in. good, and he's he can be funny and he can be serious and like you know kind of scary uh, and intimidating. Because he's also in The Handmaid's Tale uh, later on in The Handmaid's Tale, and he's very intimidating in that show. But in Cabin in the Woods, it's just, as someone that loves horror, it's like watching a movie that's made just for you. And to, like, almost have inside jokes with your other horror friends that are like, you know, look at this, remember this, and oh, they made a joke about this and this. And you can go back and, like, just, you know, talk about all the references all the way down. Mm Um Oh man, it's just such a such a treat. It's hilarious too. Um, and they they do g- great like horror things, but it's all wrapped in this idea of it all being manufactured and fake. Right, it's all formulaic. Right, and then I'm gonna go with lastly. I had to throw it on here um, for the same reason as like The Shining and The Exorcist for me, and that's Rosemary's Baby. 
Mm. Because, I mean... I thought you were going to go in a different direction. <laughs> talk about uh, a movie of just building dread. Because that that movie is probably the slowest one on my mm-hmm. list, to be honest. But Yeah, that, I, I'm, it's too slow for me. <laughs> and, I, per- and, I, and I can appreciate slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's pretty much like slow the whole movie mm-hmm. in a way and it never picks up mia farrow's performance is just incredible of this this feeling of i feel like something's wrong mm-hmm. but everyone around me is telling me nothing's wrong so mm-hmm. it's this like conflict of i want to trust all these people because they're supposed to be my friends and my family but i feel like something's wrong until it builds to a point where like she can't handle it anymore that she knows something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you come around to the very end of the movie with like, um, it, it just gets even more terrifying when at the end of the movie, she decides to almost ignore that the fear and right. like give into it the way that everyone wants her to. And so right. you have that, bittersweet ending that i feel like is really more bitter than sweet at all Mm -hmm. um and so to me i understand that for a lot of people including you it might be just too slow and not really build to anything but that almost like anti-climax at the end kind of is what works so well for me is that it it builds up and builds up and you can see it coming that it's not gonna do it and so then when it doesn't, it, it feels like truthful to what you've been told the whole yeah. time. So so I can see it being, you know, I guess uh, against some people's taste, but it's definitely very like... some things that it does well. Right, right. It's just not for me. And it's very, uh, you know, I, I take a lot from it because I, you know, for when I'm making movies and things like that, because I love that uneasiness and that dread that's almost unexplainable. Like, mm-hmm. you, you just feel it. You don't know why. And, uh, you know, there's just little moments. Like, I remember watching the trailer before I ever watched it because I was trying to decide if it was worth it for me to watch it. And there's this one shot in the movie and in the trailer where it's mostly an empty frame of a room. And you can see just off to the right, there's a chair. And you can't tell if anyone's sitting in it. But there's, like... Uh, cigar smoke coming off from that side of the screen mm-hmm. and it's not really like a shot where anything scary is happening mm-hmm. but that off balance nature of not being able to see what's around the corner but having the hint that there is something there mm-hmm. is kind of a good way to like explain what the movie is like right and uh yeah so that's that's it that's my whole list, and that was your whole list. Yep. And, I mean, some honorable mentions I, I, that we don't really need to talk about. I, I, I really like The Thing. I really mm, like mm-hmm. um, It. And really, both both chapters of It, I thought, were pretty well done. Hmm. Um, and I really like... There was a third one. Oh, It Follows was really good. There's certain... It Follows, yes. <laughs> yeah, but... This this list for me was, you know, the ones that I could just keep watching over and over and over. Well, yeah, and, and I guess for me, mine would be um, a movie called Inside, 
that was absolutely terrifying. Funny games, which I don't want to ever see again because <laughs> it was so, so, so horrifying. Same with Martyrs, but even worse, it was so horrifying. Um, I love. I watch Trick or Treat every Halloween. I love Night of the Living Dead, Midsummer, the other Ari Aster movie other mm-hmm. than Hereditary. I had to pick one, and I picked Hereditary. And then um, I also like movies that aren't really that good, like VHS, which is a found footage anthology movie that's terrible, but for some reason I liked it. And 1408, another Stephen King story. <laughs> yeah, which spawned, which spawned one of our longest lasting uh, inside jokes, because 1408, the way that the movie progresses, feels like Stephen King is just at a campfire just being like, then he couldn't escape the room, and then Samuel L. Jackson appeared. (laughs) It just has this way of, like, everything just keeps happening next. (laughs) Right, And I just love imagining, like, a crazy crazy Stephen King that you didn't invite to your campfire (laughs) that just just won't won't stop. He won't stop telling you this story. Oh, God, I love it. So, yeah, I hope you guys... Uh, listening enjoyed that i hope that you get uh some ideas of of horror movies to watch next to you know to like either begin or continue your study of the best genre that exists uh and you know i i can tell by matt's face that he completely agrees with me that it's the best genre so i uh i can't really say anything that you're not gonna edit out <laughs> you're a hundred percent right <laughs> say what you think your favorite genre is <laughs> I horror is my favorite genre. I was gonna bleep out whatever you said anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, genuinely, mine's probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can pick a favorite. Probably. Yeah, no one heard that. I like a good strong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, all right. So yeah, I think that this episode kind of went on long enough. We don't have to fatten it up anymore. No. Um, thanks a lot. If, if, if you stick with these long episodes, I can understand that, you know, you might see that it's an hour and like 20 minutes and be like, what could they have talked about for that long? I'll tell you what, not much. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's the truth. But yeah, did you have any uh, kind of final thoughts that you wanted to say or no? In prepping for this episode, I watched a bunch of horror. Um, so I got kind of in in the mindset of I'm afraid of the dark constantly right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now that I started the Saw series, I kind of want to see that the rest of the way through. Uh, but I will be glad when it's behind me and I can move on to another genre. And you see, I I understand that for some reason when I watch these horror movies, I end up finding it harder and harder to fall asleep, but it's just such a it's such a release to me. I cuz I I feel a lot of anxiety a lot of the time, and when I'm watching a horror movie, it at least feels right. So <laughs> like you're supposed to be anxious. So so it feels good that me and everyone watching it with me all feel the same for at least an hour and a half, and uh, I I also need to jump into the Saw series, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go uh go do that if I can pull myself away from all the different shows and stuff I'm already watching. So yeah, uh, now that now that Bruce is back, I think he was just out there watching uh Bolt that whole time. Um, I guess it's uh I guess it's time to go. So I don't need to watch it. I can just recite it. 
Okay, you don't have to start. Exterior. <laughs> he just starts saying this. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, this was Let's Run That Back. I'm Cody. I'm Bruce. And that's Matt also. So you have a good one. Stay spooky. Stay <laughs> spooky.